welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the final chapter from our book, Customer Satisfaction. Woo-hoo, final chapter, chapter 18. We got there. Chapter 18, we did, we did. And having got there, I feel slightly disappointed thinking it's coming to an end. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do next. <laughs> oh, I think between us, we'll find something to waffle on about. So the final chapter is the conclusions chapter, which... I think it's quite interesting because it does make a couple of key conclusions, the things you need to get right in the survey. But I I quite like the way it ends a little bit with sort of a challenge of where do we go next? And one of the sort of the phrases that I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about, and I think it is quite a good conclusion, that the methodology needs to be very clever. You only need to be quite clever with the analysis and then you need to be very simple with the outcomes, recommendations, and actions. And I think that does sum it up pretty pretty well. There is a whole science here that you can get lost in. There's lots of analysis you can do to get some insight. But fundamentally, you've got to go up that pyramid and deliver outcomes, recommendations, and actions to make a difference. Yeah, I sort of nearly agree with that because it's, I think it's right as far as it goes from a research and insight point of view. So I think rather, what a lot of people do is Scribble whatever comes to mind on a questionnaire, rush that out to customers, and then spend ages trying to figure out how to get insight from all this data they've gathered. So I think the principle of spend your time thinking about getting the methodology right and the questions right, and make that the clever bit, and then the analysis is made much simpler and the outcomes and recommendations even simpler, like what do we need to fix? But That's all true. There's a secret dot, 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 which is how do we fix it? Which is actually, that, that that's just probably the hardest bit of the whole process. So I think that the slight sort of trap with that thinking is going, yeah, that's true. To gather the customer insight, to identify the PFIs and, you know, point us towards what we need, what needs to be done on those, to be fair, from the insight. But actually getting everyone in the organization lined up and, acting on the results of that yeah it's quite interesting we've probably spent more time talking off book script chapter over the latter chapters in terms of involving employees actionable outcomes involving customers Mm. than we have over the methodology and i think that really just reflects the way that this has changed over the years if i go back to 20 years ago people used to say hey can you help me do a customer survey i think it's a good idea 10 years ago, customers were saying, hey, yeah, this customer survey, yeah, I, you know, I want to do it better. Whereas now it's much more about, I've got something in, pros, in place, help me make it actionable. And, and I, I think probably mm-hmm. the fact we've ended up talking more about that, you know, does reflect that. I think there's other things in the dynamics of the workplace of now, the time demands and the resource and the people, you know, it literally is cut to the chase. And I know it's different for slightly different organizations, but I think the challenge that that has put to many people in the research industry is you've really got to get, you've got to understand the business, the client to do the job well. They want more than just research. They really want to see you as an extension, as a learned, trusted friend who's going to come in, recommend something, help them do something that is business specific. Yeah, and I think that's, it's kind of making those bridges is the way I like to think of it that, yeah. you know, the, the insight is is great, it, yeah. but you've got to meet people halfway yeah. in order to, to help them figure out what to do. I always think of that phrase, you know, it's no great, it's no good having produced the greatest research report ever 
if it sits on a shelf and it isn't acted upon, mm. you know, it, it, that's not good for business. That hasn't changed anything. That's, I was going to use the phrase, I, I might be academically sound. I don't mean that in any bad way, but it hasn't, if it hasn't changed behaviours, you know, I think that's what people are, you know, are paying for with external research agencies like ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I like in the conclusion actually is that, you know, it has a list of kind of methodology essentials to be doing a good quality customer yeah. survey, which we'll perhaps come to back to in a second. But then it has a little section talking about the kind of your maturity in customer satisfaction measurement. And what I like about that is it kind of gets to this idea that if you're starting from a clean sheet of paper, which few people are nowadays, but if, if you were, for some reason, you've never done a customer survey or you just want to start from scratch and, and get it right. It's relatively easy if you're not very good. You know, a very basic approach yeah. will deliver clear PFIs and clear things that you need to do about those PFIs. And it's because there are clear problems in, in sort of important parts of your core business activity. It's pretty obvious you need to fix them. And it's pretty obvious usually what to do to fix them. Yeah. When you get better, it gets harder. And so I think that what, what's really in that idea of maturity is, that, okay, well, your score's already good. How do you get even better? And that's where it, it comes down to sort of getting the right event-driven surveys in place with the right customer experience modeling stuff in there, where it comes down to using internal benchmarking to bring everyone up to the sort of highest level. And it comes down to you know, looking at non-linear links and some of the more kind yeah. of the delighted type attributes that are going to lift you from really good to absolutely world-class. Yeah, I completely agree. Because the other bit on that maturity journey is if the first bit is about solving problems that are causing dissatisfaction great but actually the greatest rewards are up there at the top end in you know the customer loyalty behaviors those absolute delighters those i'll never switch supplier i'm a loyal customer i don't even look at others i'm no longer price sensitive because i trust them and i know that you know everything's great about them all those things that make organizations successful or profitable are really at that upper end of it and you don't want to be getting to the oh well eight and a half out of ten is good enough mere satisfaction there's a lot to get out of that last bit mm. which i think in some ways requires a second leap of faith having done the first leap of faith the second one is actually the stuff up there i can get if i really now start fine-tuning it you might have to get into more segment analysis and some of the cleverer cleverer things that you're talking about because it's not quite as obvious it's not about solving deliveries or doing no. x or y it's a bit much more about tailoring it and but certainly as well that's where a lot of the internal efficiencies can come mm -hmm. from as well I, agree. I think it's a second leap of faith yeah. and it I is think i think that's right i think you can you can fix problems your way to basically the edge of the top quartile of our lead table so the top 25 percent of companies um, and that would be a score of, you know, around 84, 85, somewhere around that. By fixing problems, you can get up to that, exactly as you said, eight and a half out of 10, good. But that that extra leap, you know, the extra 25% of companies who are even better than that, you've really got to start thinking in terms of how do we get more people to really absolutely love us? I think that's the shifted mindset for me is not so much can we move the average or can we fix the problems? Yeah. It's how do we get people to absolutely think we're brilliant? And seeing that there's an advantage in doing that. Yes. It, yeah. it, it is, and it's not 
it's not costly unless you're in sort of a really specific the, the, the bad example that someone that gets gets quoted is the fine hotel where if you go there regularly they know what wine and drink you want you know and they put chocolates on your pillow and that's a, a highly labor intensive service which presumably is being charged at quite a premium. But that's a very unique business model and sector, and that's not the business that most of us are, are into. I find it a false People take example. the wrong thing from that. It really annoys me, this, because they go, oh, the chocolate on the pillow or you know, the, the bottle of champagne in the room. Yeah, those, but those are a, an example. They're not the thing to copy. You know, don't start sending your clients chocolates. That's, that's not the point. <laughs> the point <laughs> is that they understand you as an individual and they're treating you with particular care because they recognize you and they've got a relationship with you. That's the principle to take away from it. And you can apply that to anything. It doesn't in any sector, anywhere. Absolutely. If you show customers that you understand them personally and value their custom, then they're going to become loyal. That's very well phrased. It is very well phrased. I think the other bit about the maturity of the process is we've obviously talked about many different things throughout the book, internal benchmarking, bonuses, all the linking to behaviours. And I, I think it is a little bit about having a medium-term plan on this. You know, I wouldn't recommend bonuses is paid necessarily in year one or you do public internal benchmarking year two, in year one or you bring the voice of the customer in straight away. I think dependent what level you're at, there is a whole, let's get people to understand it, let's get the PFIs, let's get the easy, the quick wins done. And then there'll be this moment when people are saying, hold on, how is my area doing? Can I have results about me? Because I trust this methodology. Mm. I love this information, but now I want it more specific. And then rather than having to push stuff out to the organization, you sense the organization is pulling that into it. And, and, and you might want to sort of coax that to happen a bit quicker and all that sort of stuff. But then that's the time you get the next bit involved. And then we get targets set for area. And how do we reinforce the PFIs that are becoming a bit stale now or uh, not stale, perhaps they are the same. Well, let's bring some customers in. Let's have voice of the customer. Let's do some um, service blueprint. Let's do some customer journey mapping. And all the time, let's keep in mind staff within the organization are changing mm. so them hearing the message which we might think we've been saying for the for the 10th year and saying it every month for those year it is new to some people and try and that's how you get it that's part of how you get into the culture i think i'm probably going to start talking about culture now which isn't really what i wanted to do but it, it's yeah i think the maturity of that process is seeing that the, this is a long game you're you're playing you, and you can speed it up and you can get the rewards quicker but there's different tools for different parts of that journey yeah well i think taking a long view of it is essential to do the kind of culture change and even just the sort of broad systematic change that you might need to support that as well and um, you know to processes and so on but then i think the flip side of that is that the benefits are long term as well so if you shift your mindset to thinking in the long term that helps to justify why are we making all this effort because if we manage to keep this customer for five years, 10 years, then that's going to pay off in terms of, of this much extra margin. Um, so I think shifting to a longer term mindset is helpful because it aligns the timescale on which you're going to be working with the timescale on which the benefits will, will pay off. Yeah, I, I, I mean, academically, you can start thinking about customer lifetime value, but perhaps a bit more anecdotally, I think back to the podcast that you did with Chris Daffy, where he talked about organizations that he felt had been really successful 
and he made an interesting point. There's quite a high proportion of family-owned businesses mm. in that or organisations that started off as being family-owned, where perhaps the mindset isn't about being successful today. It's creating a business that I'm going to pass on to my children and something that, and that is a different, you can see with that as your value set or that as your, um, what, what, you know, what, what's the right phrase? If you're using that as your benchmark for making decisions, mm. you're going to focus a little bit more on medium and longer term decisions for medium and longer term rewards than just make the quick decision. It's about profits or turnover this year. You'll do the right thing by the customer. And I think particularly, you know, when we're, we're you know, we're recording this in lockdown, <laughs> um, obviously separately, I think this will be interesting to see how it comes out of that. Don't particularly want to talk too much about lockdown. I think we could do a separate podcast on, mm. you know, on that. But I, I think that mindset is, is the point yeah. I'm trying to make. It's definitely, in my view, it's very difficult for publicly owned companies to think and well, to act long term, let's yeah. say. And I think it's, What's interesting about that is that there are obviously some decisions they can make long term. So, you know, they make massive decisions about acquiring companies or building massive buildings or, you know, all those kind of projects that are, you know, a big short term cost that will pay off over the medium or long term. But somehow that seems to be difficult to translate to customer experience. Yeah. They're more tangible mm -hmm. things and can appear on balance sheets and exactly. kind of, and can look you know, and are part of portfolios and brochures, and, and, and I'm not saying that in any bad way, but, you know, it's more easy to quantify, hey, we've bought this company because mm. we want to be the best in the market, or we're building a brand new factory because we want to provide the highest quality and the best service. That's a bit more tangible, isn't yeah. it, than so I think goodwill? For public companies, we collectively need to find a sort of agreed, established way of showing the value of customers on a, not exactly a balance sheet, but some way of making it tangible. So that we can yeah. say, look, yes, this is going to cost us X million pounds this year, but over the next five years, that's going to pay off in, in just the same way that building a big new factory would. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that is that is difficult to do. But I think in order to shift the mindset of public companies to being longer term about the customer, you know, to see it as a as an investment rather than a cost, I think that's the sort of thing we'd have to do. Yeah. I think to sort of put, pull it together, I mean, we're talking about a longer term mindset there. Hopefully one of the things that we've um, achieved by going through the book is I think we've talked about some short, medium, long term things. There's tips in it. There's how to do things right. Hopefully we've got across a good mixture of academic research as well as sort of shared experiences and stories. So hopefully there's been lots of things for everyone to sort of take out of it, whether you're an experienced practitioner in this or, or, or you're just new to it i do feel we should say a big thank you to anyone who has listened to all these and if you have listened to them you definitely are entitled to a drink out with Stephen and i yeah. but one of the things that i'd really like people to encourage is, is you must have got a sense how passionate we are you know about this you know please do get in contact we'd love just to enter into a dialogue with anyone you know you know you know in this field it's always good sharing learnings and sparking off off people so if anyone really would like to get in contact with us or challenge us on anything that they feel we've said which might be a bit more appropriate yeah we we'd love to enter that uh, we'd love to enter into that into that dialogue what's the best way for people to 
challengers or to claim their free drink well they can get in touch with us on twitter at tlf research uh, or if you go to our website at tlfresearch.com you can you can find some contact details and forms and so on there which would i actually get the emails that are filled out on the form on our website so if, if you fill that form out it'll come straight to me amongst other people so as greg says thank you very much for listening and if you've if you've been with us since uh, chapter one of the book a special thank you to you thank you very much it's been a real pleasure doing this hope you've got something out of it as well and we look forward to hearing from you in the future mm-hmm.